Welcome to the Baker McKenzie Latin America EMI podcast series, focusing on sector-specific issues that are impacting the players of the energy mining and infrastructure industry. You are listening to the Latin America Power Amid COVID-19 podcast. It is our pleasure to introduce our speakers. Jose Roberto Martins, project partner from Trench Rossi Watanabe in Sao Paulo. Benjamin Torres, projects partner from Mexico City. Maria Eugenia Salazar, disputes partner from Caracas. And a special thanks to our guest speaker, Gregory Odri, legal counsel from NG Mexico with a vast experience in the power industry across Latin America. Hello everyone, this is Jose Roberto Martins. I'm a partner at the Sao Paulo office. I spent my entire career with transactions and mainly transactions in the power sector in Brazil. Welcome to our podcast. Today we'll talk about the Latin America power amid COVID-19. We hope you find this conversation useful for your business uh, in the power sector. And I'm very glad that today we have a, a great team of speakers to debate this question, starting with our guest speaker, Gregory Audrey. Greg uh, has been spending his entire career in the power sector and currently is the uh, legal manager of NG Mexico. We also have Benjamin Torres Barron, a uh, partner of Baker McKenzie uh, Mexico, and Maria Eugenia Salazar, a partner at the Venezuelan office of Baker McKenzie. Uh, so the idea is to provide insights from experiences that we all share on uh, the relevant issues and opportunities maybe, why not facing power companies due to the outbreak of the COVID-19. Uh, Latin America has been perhaps the last region to be hit by COVID at uh, the time we are speaking. Uh, the countries in Asia are starting to gradually resume business there. And this uh, puts us in a, uh, also in an interesting situation, uh, sharing experiences from those countries who had the outbreak before, and at the same time expecting uh, in, uh, that uh, this, the fact that the rest of the world Will be will be operating again by the time we uh, finish the outbreak here, may uh, give some expectation of a faster recovery. But anyway, to help us start understanding actually what is going on on Latin America in the power sector, uh, I would thank again Gregory from Angie for his participation. And uh, Greg, can I ask uh, you? to share your insights with us about this, this matter. Just to introduce this podcast, please. Hi, everyone. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you for uh, having me uh, in, this, uh, in this podcast. And uh, hopefully, I can, uh, I can give uh, some, uh, some, some insights. And um, to, to go straight to, uh, to the point, when we, we talk about uh, overall scenario in the Latin America power sector amid uh, COVID-19, I, I will start with one question, well, one question or one remark, which is the fact that as all, all countries now are being hit by the uh, COVID-19 in, uh, in, uh, in Latin America, but the answers from government are different. 
which means that the, the very first point is that I don't think that there is uh, necessarily harmonization or um, let's say one straight answer to uh, uh, to the uh, to the issue because it really depends on our um, government are uh, facing and the, uh, the, the the matter and the measures that uh, they are that they are taking and uh, actually I, I know you'll talk a, a bit more about it uh, 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 later on. Um, I, what I what I can say is that depending on where your project stands. Uh, the issues linked to amid uh, to uh, COVID-19 are, are a bit different. Let, let, let's assume that uh, you have, let's say, three uh, key phases in a project. Uh, I mean, in a, in an energy uh, project, um, development, construction, and, uh, and and operation. Uh, if your project is uh, through the uh, development phase then the, the main issue you are facing is probably the fact that most of the authorities are now having their activities suspended, uh, which, which means that in terms of permitting, uh, in terms of authorizations, you might uh, be suffering uh, quite a bit in uh, uh, obtaining things, uh, which uh, one way or another will lead you to, uh, to activate uh, force uh, major Clauses, but at the end of the day, th that's the main point uh, I would uh, I would see, and that we are facing uh, uh, on our side. As you can uh, imagine, we have actually projects in development, projects in construction, and projects in uh, in operation. Now, now if we if we jump to uh, to uh, the construction phase, that that's where uh, the COVID nineteen is. Uh, having more, let's say, uh, adverse uh, uh, effects. Uh, first of all, because your um, contractors uh, might have issues in supplying uh, parts or uh, doing activities, and, and they, will, uh, they will or they have raised uh, force measure uh, claims. Um, if, we, um, if, we, if we take the, the, the case of, uh, let's say, uh, renewable uh, projects, then um, you, you can uh, imagine that when uh, the issue started in, in China, knowing that there is a strong dependence for solar projects and solar panels uh, in, um, with, with China, uh, many issues were faced uh, during construction because uh, panels would not uh, be uh, transported to uh, to to other countries uh, at least uh, in February uh, and and, uh, and and March, um, but on the top of, of this, uh, you are facing uh, health and safety uh, issues because uh, typically you have uh, hundreds of people uh, on site and you have to uh, manage uh, this. Uh, the third point uh, is linked to the measures that are being taken uh, from. Um, one place to, uh, to another, where you have this, um, this split between essential activities and non-essential activities. And here I'm doing the bridge with uh, operation. Uh, if you have uh, an, an electric, uh, I mean, if you have a power plant that is already operating, it, it will normally be 
easy to uh, to uh, explain to the authorities that this power plant is uh, essential for uh, the uh, overall activity of the country. Uh, now, if you are doing construction, there, there might be uh, uh, questions around uh, are essential this activity is, knowing that your project is not yet uh, generating. So um, that's, that's what I, I wanted to highlight, meaning the fact that on one side, uh, depending on where your project stands, the issues are more or less uh, um, critical. And I would say that the most critical moment is if your project is uh, under construction, uh, in the construction phase, it might be easier when you are in operation. Uh, furthermore, if we are talking about renewable projects, because you know that for solar projects or even wind, uh, wind farm projects, you don't need so many people on site when the, the, the plants are operating. And when we talk about the development phase, the uh, real issue is how you can still uh, interact with, um, with, um, with the authorities. Uh, but, I, but I think this is the right time to, uh, to, to pass the mic to uh, Jose Roberto. Uh, in order to uh, to tackle the uh, um, regular, regulatory uh, changes uh, that these uh, COVID-19 issues is uh, bringing. Perfect, Greg. Thank you very much. That, that's a very interesting way of seeing things. And uh, talking a bit about the regulatory aspects of that, we won't have time, of course, to give you a country-by-country -country overview. So just trying to to summarize perhaps a trend that we see in the countries, of course, with different emphasis, with different uh, priorities. But uh, before COVID-19, uh, the region as a whole were moving towards a, a, a different industry, an industry that would be driven mostly by new technologies, by easier ways in, uh, to, 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 to trade uh, energy uh, by individualizing the decision to buy energy to make a more competitive market uh, in certain countries to open up um, the financing market to, 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 to fund part of these investments as opposed to purely government money as before. So with COVID-19, everything changed. So uh, it is interesting, I, I, I'd like to make this, this connection. I mean, bef before uh, COVID-19, regulators were focusing on the important issues. Now with COVID-19, they are focusing on the urgent issues. So it's a pity because some of the very important issues will have to wait a little bit until these urgent matters clear up more. And uh, by, by important issues in the industry and the regulations of the industries, uh, I could mention the unbundling efforts, unbundling in the terms of the activities, how to unbundle transmission, distribution, trading, generation, uh, the companies itself, the activities, how to give more transparency for the prices in this market. Uh, and also unbundling uh, inside the, the, the activities themselves. One good example is its tr transmission fees. So in many countries, 
in order to introduce the distributed generation, first you have to, to discuss who you pay for, for, for the transmission, for the infrastructure. Should the, should the uh, consumer that uses uh, or that pickbacks on, on the transmission lines also pay for the transmission lines there to be available. So, so the market or the industries, regulators, the agents were discussing how to regulate uh, batteries, storage, all these important things for we to have a better market. Another example could be how to, to have an efficient and reliable spot market. How can it be better? How can we uh, uh, have a market that can provide uh, guarantees or hedging for uh, some of the energy transactions? And how to transition from a heavily regulated market towards a free market without jeopardizing supply? So all these important questions, I think we'll have to wait a bit because the urgent things are coming in. And, uh, Greg has mentioned the uh, force majeure uh, in the context of developers. Uh, what, I, what I would add maybe to force majeure uh, in the context of the regulators, in, in certain countries, uh, uh, the, the developers have regulatory obligations to start COD on time. Um, of course, there will be a delay uh, due to COVID, but uh, I could bet that at this time, many regulators are, are, are losing their sleep time uh, trying to, to regulate how exactly force majeure will be accepted. So force majeure because of COVID could be a delay in the shipment of equipment. Would that be a, a force majeure acceptable, a lockdown? A, 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 you know, uh, what, what, where we draw the line, because of course, there will be abuse, there will be precedents. So uh, this is something that in many countries is not very clear. Um, uh, another aspect of force majeure is the force majeure uh, on the perspective of the consumers. And we have seen already many consumers you know, notifying the, the power companies, claiming force majeure, trying to excuse themselves from the obligation to buy or to take energy. And uh, again, regulators will need to step in and, 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 and give a direction to this market. If we uh, are talking about the regulated uh, consumers or market, that issue could be a bit easier to the extent that at the end of the day, if there is, uh, and there will be extra costs with all this oversupply, you can always uh, resort to the old <laughs> habit of passing these costs through to the end consumers. But in the case of free contracts not regulated, this is another issue that is still to be seen. How? how to deal with force majeure when a power company has a financing to honor, uh, has a PPA, a receivable, uh, and there is a force majeure in the middle of that. And finally, I think uh, another urgent matter that we are following up is how the utilities will survive with this enormous surplus of energy. 
if they don't have customers. So I'm afraid that one uh, uh, issue that we will see back to the game in many countries is the, the subsidies, the cross subsidies, and the passing through to the end customers. This may be a step back in the regulations, in the, in the trend towards a free market, but perhaps this is inevitable. And just to conclude, I think uh, two, two, two maybe positive things about, uh, thoughts about that. One is that <clears throat> uh, I believe that tariffs, the tariffs to the regulated market may increase due to these subsidies to, to help to rescue the utilities. And this may create and will create uh, a good market for the, the, the light solutions, you know, the, 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 the distributed energy, the, 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 the companies that will be able to reach out directly to the customers to sell uh, energy for a price more competitive than the regulated tariffs. And uh, this, the second thought, and then I conclude, is that this pandemic is not a war. Many people are saying, oh, this is like a war. Well, I, I don't think it's like a war. I think that wars, uh, they, they involve the destruction of infrastructure. And uh, thanks God, I mean, this pandemic is heavy, heavy, heavy thing. But once this is uh, gone for good, the infrastructure will be there. And, uh, and I believe that... Uh, 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 this will give us hope that the, the, the recovery will be faster and, uh, and uh, easier than, uh, than in other situations. And of course, uh, the power sector will be the first, you know, one of the first industries to recover. Okay, then. Well, I think uh, Greg touched uh, very interesting uh, topics uh, also after this overview of regulations. As uh, you can imagine, uh, Latin America will, will, is dealing right now with a shift in the regulatory climate, if you will, and companies will have to adjust their business to the new playing field. So I think it's time to ask Maria Eugenia, who's an expert in public and private contracts. So Maria Eugenia, uh, can you give us an idea of, uh, in your experiences, how are companies dealing with this? relationships with the suppliers? Thanks, Jose Roberto. You know that after March 11, 2020, when the COVID-19 outbreak was declared a global pandemic, the majority of governments responded with isolation and quarantine measures. Latin American countries rapidly followed the trend and responded by declaring state of alarms or a state of emergency or by issuing orders or decrees based upon which all commercial activities have been partially or totally suspended. Long-term power and infrastructure contracts have been affected by these measures, although the situation might be different from country to country. In general, the major concerns of private and public companies in the infrastructure and power sectors may rely on payment delays, construction schedule disruption, and service interruption. Under the current circumstances, the aforementioned issues have forced parties or public and private contracts to review the force majeure and hardship clauses, renegotiate the economic structure of the contracts, or to include softer conditions to diminish the risk of contract termination. 
In Argentina, for instance, we have assisted clients in alleging force majeure to modify construction schedule or of renewal project. In the power generation and power distribution segments, the situation is more complex. Companies have been affected on the collection and tariff have been frozen until June 2020 by the Argentinian Energy Agency. Although the situation has not yet resulted in the interruption of the power sector, it might end up affecting the regular power supply in the near future. In the case of Brazil, delays in the construction projects awarded in power bidding process may trigger sanctions and penalties for those held liable by the regulator. On the other hand, failure to comply with obligations and undertook commitments may also have adverse consequences with other parties, either in the power generation or transportation. Usually, in the energy free market sector, contracts between large consumers and power generators include force major clauses upon which parties may rely on. You know that notification of force majeure have been already been filed with local courts due to the closure of several industries. In the case of Chile, which is very particular, up to this up to date, COVID-19 force major clauses due to corona related effects have not been tasted before courts yet. However, case law indicates that Chilean courts have rejected force major clauses as a defense for companies in the energy distribution. Colombia and Peru share almost the same concerns, which are payment delays or even a possible break in the payment chain. PPAs, force majeure and hardship clauses, have been executed to excuse obligations compliance and negotiation between clients and suppliers are currently held to either postpone monthly payment or make payment, make payment in installments. In the case of Colombia, construction schedules are expected to be impacted. However, collaboration from the government authorities and network operator is likely to happen to extend any imperative deadlines. Perhaps the less impacted by COVID-19 outbreak in Peru are companies with PPAs or concession contracts with the Peruvian government for cold reserve power plants, since under this agreement, a remuneration, a remuneration is usually warranty, thus the risk, the risk of payment default is less likely. Finally, in the case of Venezuela, as other countries, general rules of force majeure and hardship can apply to contract non-performance. In infrastructure projects generally related with the power and oil and gas industry. In the power sector, on the other hand, no major changes have occurred because the power generation and distribution is managed by state-owned companies. Thank you, Maria Eugenia. Indeed, the rules of the game have changed. Uh, but what is going to happen with our ongoing projects? What are the strategies that companies are addressing in terms of continuity plans amid service interruptions? Thanks, Jose Roberto. Well, in order to respond, what is going to happen with our ongoing project? We believe that the key issue to bear in mind to assess whether COVID-19 qualifies as, uh, as a force majeure or as an event of hardship rely, relies on determining whether this is an unforeseeable and unavoidable circumstance that prevent one or more parties from fulfilling their obligations under 
agreement or whether it is a fundamental change or alteration of circumstances that makes the fulfillment of an obligation extremely difficult. The application of force majeure and also the hardship theory requires to be tested under the applicable law of the contract. In general, almost all contracts include a clause that lists events considered force majeure or hardship. However, in the event the parties of a contract disagree as to whether COVID-19 constitutes a force majeure or, for instance, an event of hardship, it will ultimately be up to domestic court or foreign court, if they have jurisdiction, or arbitral tribunal, if applicable, to decide the parties' rights and obligations according to the contract's governing law. Well, as a final remark, we would like to provide our friends and clients with some practical recommendations. First of all, review the contract to assess what force majeure rights, remedies, and requirements may apply if a, party, if a party's operation is disrupted. For example, some force majeure clauses require the delivery of an attics to the other party to terminate an agreement for non-performance. The second uh, to, be, to be aware of is find other alternatives to perform contractual obligation, and if it is not possible, all those efforts should be documented. Third, obtain and retain as much information as possible about the impact that a termination based on force majority event may have. Again, documenting the relevant aspect to evidence the same. Finally, review and follow up local and also international regulatory actions and restrictions regarding public policy implemented in response to the COVID-19 outbreak to determine the course of actions to be followed in each case. Well, on the other hand, as for continuity plans amid service interruptions, I believe Benjamin might have some more examples to share with us in this respect. Benjamin, what could you tell us about it? Thank you, Mario Eugenia. Absolutely. We are seeing various approaches for continuity plans in connection with COVID-19 throughout the region. While in certain countries, such as Argentina and Mexico, most contractual disruptions caused by COVID-19 have been addressed in the context of force measure. Other alternatives are also being implemented, such as the readjustment of renegotiation of certain terms of these agreements to avoid a potential termination or a total interruption. By renegotiating terms, this ensures compliance and protection of the value chain of these power projects. We are also seeing government intervention, for example, in Brazil. The Brazilian power regulator has taken several measures to ensure the continuity of the energy distribution service during the pandemic period. The main measures consist in the prohibition or suspension of the energy supply to urban, rural, and essential consumers in the event of no payment and prioritization and preservation of the energy supply to the essential services activities. Due to these measures to avoid service interruption, the distribution public utilities will certainly be the most effective player in the power sector in Brazil. The government has already approved a financial support to these public utilities. Other countries in the region, 
like Mexico, consider utilities, including electricity and power generation, transmission and distribution, as essential business activities. For instance, in Chile, Peru, and Venezuela, companies in this industry have issued permits to continue operating during the lockdowns and beyond the mandated curfews. In addition, certain governments, as in Mexico and Chile, have mandated that energy distribution companies may not suspend services due to non-payment, and this applies to both commercial and residential sectors. Therefore, although power projects are being interrupted, extensive service interrupted have not hit yet this industry as hard as others. With respect to continuity plans in the private sector, the most important thing for companies to do now is to assess their liquidity. Bottlenecks in deliveries may affect cash flow, especially when projects are postponed. Companies can improve their cash position by negotiating with supplier and postponing payments or agreeing on alternative stretches. In parts of the region, we can also anticipate collaboration from certain authorities and network operators to extend imperative deadlines. Companies should be evaluating the weak areas of their supply chain and implementing mitigating strategies for delays and interruptions. In addition, looking into outsourcing certain non-core tasks, creating risk management programs for employees to be able to work remotely. Lastly, an important topic that should be considered by generation and distribution companies is their commercial relationship with their clients. Several end users belong to the commercial, retail, and industrial sectors, which are being seriously affected by the crisis. In those cases, the parties should negotiate and come to an agreement on payments and schedules in order to protect their long-term commercial relationship. This situation is evolving into a new normal. When we refer to this, we are talking about the energy transition to renewables and alternative energy sources. What are your thoughts about it, Gregory? Well, um, I, actually, you, you, you know, there, there is this concept that uh, many people are using of new normal uh, post, let's say, uh, COVID-19. Uh, COVID and I, I feel that we are becoming kind of uh, Nostradamus uh, disciples. Uh, the, 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 the thing I can say is that the current normal is absolutely abnormal, uh, which, which makes uh, projections pretty um, um, really difficult to, uh, to, uh, to, to assess. But if I, if I take the uh, um, renewable um, uh, energy, and, and, I, and I think you, you're right on, on all the, the topics that you are stressing on what will be needed to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to, to adjust. But if, if I take another angle, to, which would be, will this COVID-19 be in favor of renewable or alternative uh, energy uh, sources or not? Here are some thoughts. And once again, I, I need to insist on the fact that uh, I was not able to predict uh, COVID-19 three months ago. And, uh, and, I, and I think that very few uh, could uh, think uh, about this uh, situation. Uh, but so, some thoughts. Uh, first of all, there is a kind of trend which is um, linked to COVID-19 on the fact that we are confining uh, in our homes. Uh, we see more 
uh, animals and, and people are, are thinking about, well, the, the way we are dealing with things must change and, and there should be a new normal in, in any event, uh, which seems to be in favor of, uh, of the growth of the, uh, uh, let's say, uh, renewables uh, in worldwide. But, but at the same time, if you look a, a bit on what's going on, uh, oil uh, is becoming, well, we don't know if it's for a short period of time or a longer period of time, but uh, prices are de decreasing in oil and gas, uh, which uh, is a huge challenge for uh, renewables. Uh, second, um, the, the, the fact that we, when I say we, most of the people will one way or another enter into a recession uh, mode means that there will be less financing. Uh, and, and, and having less financing means that choices uh, will be made on which type of um, projects can or cannot be uh, uh, developed in the, in the near uh, future. What, what I mean by that is probably, and if we take if we take Mexico, for example, where uh, the trend has been to develop huge projects in solar, uh, 200 megawatts, 300 megawatts, and also in, uh, in, in wind uh, projects, power projects, well, it might be that tomorrow uh, there will be a need for lack of financing to think about smaller projects, 20 megawatts, 30 megawatts, which means another way to think about projects uh, and utility scale projects. Uh, second, and linked to this idea of uh, having um, smaller projects, it might be that it becomes a, a real opportunity for the uh, growth of uh, generated uh, um, um, for um, uh, generated distribution and uh, and really smaller projects. And uh, I'm thinking about. Uh, um, rooftop um, uh, PV uh, uh, projects. Um, that's, that's something possible, meaning that uh, we will focus on things that can be done quicker uh, with uh, smaller amounts of, uh, of money because there, there will be a lack of uh, financing. Um, last but not least, um, I, I think that most countries will think once again uh, on what are the resources that I have in my country? Because uh, this um, crisis and, and the virus um, means that depending on other countries might be an issue because borders um, which were like disappearing will probably reappear. Uh, reappear. Uh, and, and, and that will push um, countries to think a bit more what they have in within their boundaries and not outside. Uh, in, in that sense, if you take uh, solar panels, which are massively um, manufactured in, uh, in, in China, well, I, I think that this might change a bit uh, in, the, in, the, in the future. First of all, because well, I'm not an expert on, on uh, in this matter, but but uh, I, I do assume that it's not so complicated to have uh, um, panel uh, solar panel uh, built in Mexico, for example. Uh, for sure, it might be uh, more expensive than uh, 
than uh, Chinese uh, um, uh, panels. But at the end of the day, there, there will probably be more and more this sense of, okay, I, I don't need to go very far to, uh, to get what I need. And if I go very far, I have to be cautious because something can occur once again. So at the end of the day, if you take the, uh, and, and once again, I'm not Nostradamus, I don't have uh, a clear view of what's going on and what will, uh, what will be the new normal. Uh, but still, uh, there, there are probably, I, I don't think that the general trend of having renewables more and more in the market will, uh, will change because this virus is not, is not telling us that renewables is a, is a bad choice. Uh, that said, I really think that the uh, size of the, those projects will, uh, will change and the way uh, supply will be um, uh, thought and, um, and planned uh, will, will be uh, pretty distinct in the future. That's right, uh, Gregory, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I think uh, it's difficult to anticipate what uh, the new normal will be at this stage of the epidemic. The new normal is driving us to reshape our strategies and our approach. In certain countries like in Latin America, uh, such as Mexico, you know, we know of the commitment to reach out to 35% of our energy from clean energy resources by 2024. Other countries like Chile aim to reach 60% by uh, 2035. Brazil and Colombia have uh, prominent hydro sectors and they have already established clean energy as large of their uh, power generation matrix. Countries like Peru are covering their energy demand uh, during the lockdown with renewable sources. And certain power projects already in operation or in the later stage of construction have been already if affected, if, if, not, if not terminated. Um, the pandemic is just not creating the need for resiliency, but, but rather flexibility the companies are faced with the delivery and construction delays and the challenge of protecting their supply chain. And the crisis is also establishing the need for independence in the supply chain and creating a new way in which companies approach inventory distribution and the need for local manufacturing. I think beforehand, before happening on the, on the pandemic, there was a large discussion about the growth of renewables and energy transition. Obviously, because these series of events, although I said that we cannot anticipate the outcome, I think this conversation becomes more current and more intensive. Companies will look for independence. Companies will look for efficiency. Companies will try to reduce their cost in their manufacturing cost and their power consumption. And I think that creates a perfect environment for developing and expanding the need of the growth of renewables and the energy transition. Many other companies in the oil and gas environment, due to the financial crisis, the difficult challenges that they find in the oil prices in uh, the financial market, just are investing in clean energy solutions uh, up to the extreme that some of them uh, have a clear plan of reorienting the business towards a renewable energy-centric business. 
Many other companies are not called themselves oil and gas companies, but rather they are named as energy transition companies or are investing in renewables, a significant amount of funds, including biofuels, biopower, wind energy, and solar. Most of the energy companies are aiming toward a cleaner future with less carbon emissions. We have heard before the epidemic that many of these oil and gas companies are committed into a certain date to become net zero in carbon emissions. And I think that there's a path uh, to make sure and to confirm that the energy transition will become more and more important nowadays. And together with that, I mean, the renewable energy by itself is not only a market or an industry that makes sense because of the sustainability ideas. I don't think it's because of what the green energy emissions and how attractive it is to many of the defenders of a green future for our country, which is obviously a given and it's something that we are, all of us, aiming to. But it really makes economic sense. It makes sense because given the latest discoveries, the improvement in the technology, the efficiencies that have been created in different renewable generation technologies, it will make sense and will compete better with other traditional oil and fossil fuels technologies of generation. Just let me give you some examples. Uh, since 2009, the cost for photovoltaic modules have been falling around 80% and the cost of wind turbines have fallen 30 and 40% up to this day. Renewables have been the fastest growth in the electricity sector and are expected to provide almost 30% of the power demand in the world by 2023. And by 2050, it is predicted that only solar and wind generation will provide almost 50% of the global power demand in the world. In many jurisdictions, already as we speak, unsubsidized still scale solar power is already cheaper than other conventional fuels like nuclear, coal, and diesel. That's why it makes economic sense. And, you know, I don't want to start with the discoveries of battery storage because, you know, battery, I think, will play a major uh, breakthrough into the industry. And that is because, you know, it will promote the energy independence. The reduction of the cost in battery storage in the last two years have fallen around 40% on the market. And energy storage using batteries will allow the system operators to develop smarter grids, store energy during non-peak hours, release energy on demand as the grid requires, and is much, much cheaper and faster to develop than generation facilities. You can, you can get a, a power generation based on battery in no time. So before COVID, we saw many governments in the region to enact different norms and regulations to effectively boost the development of renewable generation projects to diversify these metrics. I think we'll see this more. I, I think we'll see a reaction of these governments in order to tackle and to reorient the business in order to promote this type of hunger and needs of many companies, not only the power companies, but also the oil and gas companies to evolve and to transit into this. 
plus the demand and the consumption and, and, and the public that will demand more sustainable and efficient and more economic sources of power. While there might be a slowdown in certain stages of power project, the long-term trend towards renewal will grow, especially with emissions sharply down in the last few months due to the impacts of the pandemic. We're starting to get a clear view of what could be possible in a low carbon society. And this is an opportunity for us to reassess our energy systems, to ensure that we can meet the electricity demand pressures and at, at the same time, flatten the emissions curve. Therefore, while this pandemic might not necessarily accelerate the energy transition, I think it will definitely not negate it, if not promote it. And, and this is what we are seeing in the sector, uh, Gregory and Jose Roberto. You have any other remarks you would like to add into this conversation? Uh, the key point, I think, for tomorrow will be the size. Uh, the, the sizing of projects will probably change, and, and that will benefit to uh, to renewable because it's uh, you, you can you can easily think about uh, a twenty or thirty megawatt uh, um, solar project. Uh, you you won't have this uh, opportunity if you are talking about a, a combined cycle uh, power plant. So so yes, the trend is there. Uh, there is no. Uh, major reason even with the uh, um, with the uh, with the, the covid-19 that uh, this uh, change uh, the, the the way we think about supply will change the the way we think about financing and sizing will change uh, the, the way we think about uh, deadlines uh, will change too because we we know that this covid-19 is one uh, virus that probably will take time to uh, to discard and and furthermore there will be other viruses uh, it's not uh, we, we've been facing uh, various ones in 20 years uh, we'll have uh, probably more in in the coming years uh, I would say that maybe covid could even be a factor of acceleration of this trend uh, because um, it's very likely that consumers will look for more efficient and, as Greg said, quicker uh, types of projects that, that could uh, be placed immediately or on, in a short, a very short term. So uh, you can't beat that. Um, in terms of the competitors, Greg, that you mentioned the, 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 the low prices and that this is, you know, I know that I'll be liable for saying that. So who knows the future? So I'll take my chance here. But uh, my guess is that even though the, the, the barrel may be low and continue low for some time, this doesn't necessarily mean that uh, the, this, the, the, the oil companies will just shift to compete with renewables. Uh, the capex for, for these projects are much, much higher and the returns expected are different. So... I don't know. I think that with very low uh, oil prices, uh, these projects may simply don't fly. And again, uh, I think the renewables, they, 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 they get an advantage on that. Um, and there are two other points to add. Uh, financing, as you mentioned, at least in the short term, the basic interest rates are going down. 
So, of course, it's hard to see this among the lockdown. We are all in our houses now speaking. But after the lockdown, or after at least we have a better, a clearer scenario with the lower rates, uh, well, why not? Maybe financing could be uh, more available than it used to be before. And my final note would be uh, on uh, Latin American best advantage, competitive advantage. We are all countries that export uh, either merchandise, manufactured, or commodity products. Well, this, this, this uh, a whole industry needs to consume energy, the mining industry and uh, the uh, agribusiness industry, other non-manufacturing uh, companies, you, you name it. Um, to the extent that uh, we'll have a faster recovery in our traditional trading partners, we will start demanding commodities again then these companies will demand energy again. So, as I said, I believe that uh, one of the first industries to recover after COVID will be exactly the, the energy industry. We want to thank you again for joining us in the Latin America Power Amid COVID podcast. On behalf of the Latin American Energy Mining and Infrastructure team, we are happy to provide further insight and answer any questions you may have. Thank you.